Rabbi Lezeb Benoish Rabbi Yossi Hagalili Oimer. It's taken from Sanhedrin, Dachvavel Midbeis. There's a brisa that Rabbi Lezeb, the son of Rabbi Yossi Hagalili, says the following. Asur Livtoya. When a person is in the position of a judge and two people come before him seeking a ruling there is a prohibition which forbids the judge from allowing a compromise to be reached between the two parties rather the ruling has to be absolute so it says also live toya it's in prohibited to compromise and a person that does make a compromise between the two litigants he is considered as if he has deviated from the line of Torah and a person that praises a person for making a compromise he angers the creator as it says in the verse in to heal him, the one that blesses, praises a person that makes compromises, angers Hashem. Ella, rather, what should the correct behavior be? Ella, Yikoiv Hadin Es Hahar. The judgment should pierce the mountain. Interesting imagery. Shneemar Kiamishpat Leloikimhu. As it says, judgment is given to the attribute of justice. V'chein Moshe, and so to Moshe Rabbeinu, Hayyoimer, he used to say, Yikoiv Hadin Esahar. The judgment has to pierce the mountain. So the presentation in terms of its imagery is as follows. The landscape, the legal landscape, is presented as a mountainous region. Each of the claims being a different hump arise on that landscape. The notion of compromise requires that the judge will climb to the top of the mountain as will the litigants and sometimes go down the side. There is no straight path that they can tread. The process of justice says we don't take into consideration the humps and the valleys, the ebbs and the flows of the particular individuals. We don't take, the, take into consideration the fact that they could somehow sort it out and come to a happy compromise. Rather we say, this is the law, it penetrates, it cuts, it absolutely bores through any obstruction and if there is a mountain it will go directly through as the way Peter the Great um, built the road from Moscow to forgotten. But what happened was he he was given the plans to the road, which in an extremely mountainous area of Russia was shown as winding between the mountains. And in fury, he took a pencil and he drew a line starkly across the page, and he says, "That's the way the road will be." 
and that's the way the road was built and in the process I think something like 300,000 people died <laughs> I'm saying they're expendable they're expendable I want my road straight okay let's get priorities let's not get distracted by trivialities like people and lives <laughs> don't we just love the monarchy I love my people shoot um, so that's 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 a that's a, that's a very ferociously fearful Mario Marshall of what you could have Sahara means. You just go straight, and that's the way to go. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu did it. There's no time. There's no patience for. But you don't understand. I was uh, judgment means strict judgment. A person's in your chair. It's your chair. You say, get out of my chair. You don't say, I'll sit somewhere else. Maybe I'll find. It. No, it's my chair. I'll take it. Someone has incurred on your property. You don't say, listen. Ah, forgo it this time. Yiko Sahar. You act according to the letter of law down to the T and you make sure that you exact judgment. It's my Shavena. Says the Gemara, the Brysa, Aval Aharoim, Oyhev Shalom, Veroidev Shalom, Umeisim Shalom, Ben Adam Nechavere. But Aval Aharoim, Aharoim, Akoyim, Moshe Rabbeinu's brother was precisely the opposite. He was Oyhev Shalom, he loved peace. Roydev Shalom, he chased and pursued it. Umeisim Shalom ben Adam lechaver, and he created peace between man and his fellow man. Shenema, as it says, Torah's emes, the Torah of reality was in his mouth. No fault was found in his lips. Peace and shalom, straightness did he walk with me. Verabim heishiv me'avon, and in doing so, he re- returned the masses from being off the derech. Aaron Akoyim comes out. There's a machlokes, a dispute between Aaron Akoyim and Moshe Rabbeinu in terms of how do we relate to din. And there's two approaches. There's a yikoi v'adine sahar that a person has to go according to the letter of the law. There's no moment. There's no. There's no patience for compromise. There's no taking into consideration the circumstances which could have led to din. Boom. And then there's Aaron Akoin. Aaron Akoin is no, no. We go for compromise. We go for flexibility. We don't go to penetrate the mountain. We climb up the steep incline and it's going to take us a long time to get there. And it's a difficult pathway and it's effort. And we get there and we get to the top and then we have to go down again. And get to the we have to compromise. We have to move ourselves. We have to be flexible. Who do we pass like? Hira hazakin hayoime. Havemi talmidev shal aharoin. Hira hazakin ruled in this Machlokas and he says Have we Tamidav Shal Aaron We are the pupils of Aaron Oyev Shalom Veroidev Shalom Oyev Esabriyes Umakarvan Torah In that Machlokas the Psakaloch is clear Shalom beats Din Compromise beats legality Crucial understanding as it says in regard to the Torah Darchea Darchei Noyam it ways are ways of pleasant pleasantness, the shalom. 
and all its pathways are Sholem. There's different Malchim Torah. There's a Torah called Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah, and there's a Torah called our Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah, the only person that got it Kaviyachal was Moshe Rabbeinu. That Torah, I'm going to speak on a slightly more abstract and lofty level, if you'll bear with me, and maybe not understand everything, but nevertheless, listen to the words. Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah was called the first tablets, Luchos Arishonos. The Luchos Arishonos, the first tablets, Moshe Rabbeinu received. He was the only person in the world that received those tablets. Because on the 17th of Tammuz, which is coming up next week, when he saw the Jews engaged in an idolatrous act of the worship of the golden calf, he took those tablets and he shattered them in front of the entire Jewish people. In doing so, he eliminated the possibility or the <coughs> Jewish people through their rebellious act deprived themselves of the privilege to accept what's called the Luchai Sarishoni, the first tablets. And in fact, the only person that ever received them was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu then had to go up a series of times and eventually on Yom Kippur he came down with the Luchai Sashnim, the second tablets, and that the entire Jewish people accepted. So there was a Kabbalah Sator of Moshe Rabbeinu which was radically different from the Kabbalah Sator of every other Jew. What was the difference? The difference was Luchos Harishonim were both made by Kodesh Baruch Hu and were also written by Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Luchos Hashnim were made by man and were written by God. The notion of Luchos tablets correspond as the way they are always portrayed as being two humped tablets. They have a semicircle on top. The semicircle on top is completely inaccurate in terms of the way the tablets were designed. It's a distortion of their actual design because the metaphor of Luach is always a reference to heart and there's an interesting overlap that the tablets always look like people would illustrate the top part of a heart because somehow it's crept into the representation the idea that the luchos are always the heart as it says in the pasuk your heart is a tablet which receives has the capacity is a receptacle for things to be engraved upon it and that's what we need to do now Taking the metaphor further, it means that there weren't two sets of tablets. There were two types of hearts in Kalal Israel. The first type of heart was Maise Eloikim and Michtav Eloikim. It was both the workings of God and the writing of God. On that level, Moshe Rabbeinu's level, there was no what's called Mekabel. There was no receiver. Both the giver and the receiver were in the same world. It was Hashem made it and Hashem wrote it. The heart was a heart which belonged in Shomayim. The writing was a writing which belonged in Shomayim. That type of Torah never was given down. The Torah that we got was written on a heart which was an earthly heart. And that's why in the second tablets it was Moshe Rabbeinu took up the tablets and Hashem wrote the letters on them. In other words, we took up ourselves and the Torah is engraved on who we are. The minute you engrave the Torah on an earthly being, so people who are earthly are fallible. 
they have issues, they have midas, they need to somehow bend and constrict and consort contort themselves to fit into the strictness of the letter of the law. So the two types of Torah given Kivyochel was a Torah which was din, because in a world where you're not human, when you're above, when you're supernatural, there's no need for compromise. That was the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. But in a world where you're an earthly mortal being, so you want to integrate the Torah, you want to write it onto your heart, but it's your heart that it has to be written to. And the heart is palpable and the heart is weak and the heart is fallible. In our world, there's a ruling of Shalom and not of Din. And that's why Hillel Hazokain had the right to Paskin, to Paskin like Aaron against Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he said, Havamitamid of Sha'aron, we are the Talmudim of Aaron. We are not the Talmudim of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't a Madraga that we have no connection to. His level completely and totally transcended our own. So that's why, and that's crucial for us to understand how we are as people. We have to be extremely aware of, it's not hard to be aware of our own fallibilities, failings, and sensitivities in the objective sense, even though we sometimes are blind to them. But when it comes to other people's failings and lackings, that's when we begin to institute the notion of shalom. That means people do things which are infuriating and they have no right to do them. Al pidin that's asul. Al pidin they are invading. What do you do? As they step on your toe, you say thank you and you gently remove it. Shalom. And then your roommate comes in in the middle of the night and he wakes you up and he ruins your entire day the next day. And what do you say to him? Shalom. Good morning. You may say to him, you know, do you mind if I put in earplugs so I can't hear you and you won't be offended. But Shalom is a pathway. The minute you start getting into din, you're in a place where you yourself do not belong. Our Mahalachi knife is Pshara, Pshara, Pshara. We seek compromise, not law. If there's enough money for Shabbos candles and Hanukkah candles, either Shabbos candles or Hanukkah candles, and Hanukkah candles are so severe, a person should sell here the shirt of his back to buy them. But you've only got enough money for Shabbos candles or Hanukkah candles. Which one do you buy? The Rambam says explicitly, you buy Shabbos candles. Because Shabbos candles are for Shalom. Shalom buys. Because when there's light in the home, it creates a different type of atmosphere. And you can use the light of Shabbos candles and not the light of Chanukah licht. And therefore the Rambam says, since it says, Shalom, therefore that is the theme that overrides all of Torah. We seek Shalom. We seek peace, we seek togetherness, we bend and we contort, we try to accommodate, we compromise constantly, and people annoy us, and we don't say, how dare they interrupt in the shear that I'm in and stop me from understanding with the Rebbe, we say, I'm sure they need to know as well. And this is where you start to understand that in our world, the way that we access Shalom is by creeping out of the pit that we've dug for ourselves where we don't know that there's anyone else beyond the area that extends past our own nasal 
follicles. We walk around life and we think that the world stops just beyond the promontory of this nose. So awkwardly placed on my face. But it has the advantage of attracting attention away from my bald spot. Um, so that's important because unless we creep out of our own little pathetic world, and I say pathetic, I mean they didn't most generous of all senses. I mean pathetic not because our worlds are pathetic, our worlds are deep, they're rich, they're grand. But in relation to the magnitude of humanity around us, how small and tiny is it is if the only thing we see is what we need, what we want, what we can do and what there's a whole world around us. Yes, Barrett. So <coughs> on the micro level, like on the macro level like uh, uh, the whole based-in system, we say that we should do prefer compromise outside. But the whole right. thing we learn all day is din is halakhic. So there's a din behind something behind every every mice that happens, right? So it seems more on the mac in the micro level that we should for sure we should pursue shalom, void of shalom, void of shalom. But like on a on a macro level, how can you institute telling people you, you know? Oh, just be moichel on him, you know? No, there's a din. There's a din between every halacha. Of course, if, in other words, the, the shalom without din would be irrelevant. Now that you know the din, you seek shalom. Shalom is the way you work with din. It's not an ign- ignorance of din, it's not an evasion of din. It's now that we know the din, now shalom becomes possible. Without the din, there'd be no, there'd be no concept of shalom because there'd be no notion of compromise because there'd be no notion of what should be. Now we know what should be. Now that you can compromise and say, even though that this should be, I can say, I'll forego it. So you din is the starting point. Shalom is where you're going to. Yes, I mean. Using that last logic, I guess, if, if it's just din, there would be no compromise, which would mean peace. No? If you just go by din, you go exactly by the book. And everyone, obviously, in a perfect world, in Utopia, everyone just went by din. So it wouldn't be peace at all. In, if you try to, you know, if everyone was above, if everyone was supernatural, that would be great. But now when you go with Din, so then when I get affected by Din and, and my property is confiscated from me, so that won't bring me closer to you, that won't create a harmonious functioning between me and you, that will chop me off from you. You see that societies which are Din orientated is a general consequence that it, it, it invades relationships. Societies which there is not as much, for example, to illustrate, I have a sister that lives in um, Sydney. And Australia is a country where there is enormous focus on the rule of law. There are rules for everything. There are even rules about how to make rules. And there are rules about how to make rules about making rules. And then there's rules about how to make rules about making rules. And yeah, then there's the rules. And the rules govern every aspect of society. You, you, you wouldn't even believe the kind of rules that they come up with. It's, it's, it's astonishing. The rules of the distance that your chair on a sidewalk cafe has to be from the sidewalk. From the... Sounds like halacha. So what happens is a person was sitting in a restaurant and the restaurant owner said, do you mind moving in your chair five centimeters? because we have a 30 centimeters leeway and you've extended yourself beyond it. And the guy says, you're not serious. He says, I'm serious. He says, just, just go easy. Within minutes, a municipal official was there with a tape measure and finding the restaurant owner. Because <laughs> it was here? It happened here? No, it happened to a friend of mine. 
Okay? Now, there's, 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 what happened was, in my sister's apartment, there was a unclaimed dog mess on the stairs of her, of her apartment building. So, what happened was, um, I think her husband got a phone, phone call, maybe an email, informing him that he better come home, which is a huge distance, to sort out the problem, or either that or there's a notice placed on the door. Now, it came out that this identified dog mess had no relationship to my sister, her husband, or their dog. <laughs> but there was a chashash ba'alma. But in a world of din where, where you, you, don't, you don't like go up to the person and say, Hey buddy, you know, we're all here in the same place. It's like, the apartment has to be clean. This is an infringement of rule 1645. And therefore, everything goes like this. And you can't, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no room for personality. There's no room for compromise because you've transgressed. You come and you say, listen, um, I would like to be on the bus. And they say to you, I'm sorry, the last bus driver clipped your bus ticket slightly off center. And now um, we don't use those kind of tickets anymore. <laughs> Jay, you serious? He says, sir, it's the rules. Sorry. So there's no place for, there's no, there can be no Rachmanis. Rachmanis is when you relate to the person. Din is when there's no one in front of you. It's the law is the governing body. The minute the law becomes a governing body, there's no relationship between people. People are, are human. They've got emotions. They've got needs. When it comes to dinners, listen buddy, I know you're upset. I know you're upset, but that's, that's, just, that's just the rules. You come and you say, I, I was once in Australia and I was late for a flight. No, because no, Australia is a, is a society where there's a huge emphasis on law, as opposed to we can contrast it with South Africa, um, which we shortly will do. So, 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 so I was, I was, I arrived at the flight 30 minutes beforehand. It was a relatively empty airport, and the flight was taking off in 30 minutes. And they said, I'm sorry, but the cutoff point is uh, 40 minutes before the flight. You have to be checked in. It was a local flight. So I said, I'm going to miss. Sorry, sir, that's the rules. There's another flight in two hours. You know? But, but you can't understand the important business. Sir, do you mind sitting down? So, and the more agitated you get, the more they get, they, they get sir. You're starting to cause a bit of a huff here. Do you, do you mind sitting down? I don't want to have to cause the airport police. Um, you go to the uh, arrive at Australian customs, and what happens is they walk around with beagles because the entire continent is under constant threat of um, ecological invasion. You, if you bring in a, a, an, a, a strange microbe, can absolutely render the entire continent obsolete. So, <laughs> so what happened is they are absolutely fastidious about bringing in things like soil on your shoes and um, and fruit for sure. So what happens is they walk around with these extremely cute beagles, who are fantastic smellers, and they walk around and they like the beagle goes and sniffs at your case and they say. Um, Sorry, so you you got something in there, haven't you? And they've got like a threatening voice. I think it looks like he's spotted a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, you, sir, you've been carrying tomatoes, haven't you? <laughs> so I confess, so I tried to smuggle one year. So you're never going to do that again. You could end up in prison for that, sir. You're lucky we caught you. So what happens? You've got these cute little beagles running around. So you know the natural icon of the Kishmaki. Yeah, my boy! Sir, <laughs> this dog's at work. Could you please leave him alone? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what happened is you go to South Africa customs. 
So I guess an African custom, and they don't have beagles because they haven't chapped that actually the different dog, different dogs have got different smangs. They think like any dog will work. So they have like <laughs> they have like this like mongrel Alsatian, and I'm carrying my bags through the thing, and he literally pounces on my bag. <laughs> and <he> goes <laughs> And the, the person holding him is like yanking him away. <laughs> he's yanking him away. I, like I'm thinking to myself, don't you think there's something suspicious the way he's like attacking my bag? And he's saying, come boy, come boy. And I'm saying, oh, what a cute dog. And then, like we get like quite, I built quite a close relationship with that dog. He like he followed me around the airport. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to, then you get to the customs desk. So you get to the Australian customs desk, and they're like, I, I had it with me. I think I bought some strangely enough gefilte fish which is something that you don't transport into Australia because he said, sir, what are these? So I said, oh, those, those, those are gefilte fish. He said, what are they made out of? I say, um, gefilte and fish. Yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, yeah, and then he starts like, starts like he prods them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I think these may go into quarantine. <laughs> Go to South Africa. So like they like they literally like they start to like they look for secret covers like if in case you smuggled in an almond. So and then you go to you go go to South Africa and I've got this huge case. And the guy at the castle looks at me and says, Ah, he says, I Baba, he says, You've got something in there. I say he says, You got something in there? I think to myself, because I think if I was carrying any food, I thought to myself and then I realized I said, No. He says, Ah, you do got something in there. Come. <laughs> <laughs> so we open it up, and he sees this. He sees this pa- this case, and it's been jam packed in the classic Jewish pekelach sense that you're transporting literally half of like Israel into South Africa. And you know, you got this wide variety of different things. So he looks at it and he realizes it's going to be a massive hassle to unpack. So he says, "You sure you got nothing?" I say, "Sure." He says, "Okay." <laughs> 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 what? Yes. So that's the difference between Din and Rachmil. Rachmil, you've got personalities, there's people, there's the humanity. Din is vroom, 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 mechanical, robotic. It's, it's not human. It's not human. <laughs> Canada takes a letter approach. Now, isn't Canada all about the rules? Definitely not. Surely is. I don't think so. How do you get 10 Canadians to jump into a swimming pool? So you guys want to just jump into the pool? Sorry. I thought it was, I thought it was, I always thought the Canada was Australia without the weather. We have weather. No, you don't. We've got snow. That's not weather. Um, good. I, d- I definitely agree with you. There's, wa- I apologize. There's way too much bias of anti-Australian talk. It's not fair. It's unjust. I definitely have to start traveling around America and accumulating ammunition. I apologize. Apologize for those Americans that feel that Australians get all the tension. Um, I'm, I'm going to try see if I can find something about that empty culture to say. Oh, here you go. Um, so we've got Moshe Rabbeinu for Aaron Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu's <coughs> presentation of a completely different mahalach which we have no connection to. Our mahalach is a mahalach of Shalom. Now this is where the strangeness comes into it. Pinchas ben Aaron ben, ben Elazar ben Aaron Okein. Pinchas ben Elazar then Aaron Hakoyen. The middle of Koyanim is Oyev Shalom, Roydev Shalom, Oyev Sabiriyos, Umakarv and Latoya. And Pinchos was the person who engaged in the absolute 
seeming case of din, of strict judgment, no? Isn't he the wrong person for the job? Surely it should have been Moshe Rabbeinu that did it. Pinchas, the epitome of the lover of peace, would engage in the severe judgment that is bewildering. What was he doing? Executing Zimri and Cosby. It makes no sense. Furthermore, furthermore, the Medrash says that when the head of the tribe of Shimon came before Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, and said to him, here is a woman who is a Midianite princess. Her name is Cosby. Am I permitted to marry her? In other words, marry out of the Jewish people, for a child will not be Jewish. And if you say that I'm not, how was it that you married Tzipporah, who was from Midian? Moshe Rabbeinu at that point in time mind, his mind goes blank and everyone starts to cry tears are a reflection of not knowing the direction forward a person bases metaphorically his direction in life on his sight he sees and then you can plot the way to go the two words in Hebrew which correspond to confusion and being perplexed are the words dimua, which is a description of a mixture of different types of crops, and pechi or nevuchim, means they lost. The guide to perplex is the moriha nevuchim. The two words for being lost and being confused and mixed up are the two words which at their root correspond to the two parts of crime, pechi and dima. Dima is a tear and pechi is the process of crying. When we don't know the way forward, the instruments we use for navigation start to shed. They start to expel liquid because the place where we need to find orientation has become obsolete as it were. We can't see the way forward. That's when we start to cry. That's when we start to sob and weep. There's no way to go. We don't know where to go. We're lost. They started to cry, they didn't know where to go. Comes along Pinchas, Ben Alazar, Ben Aaron, and he says, Moshe Rabbeinu, but you taught us the halacha when you came down from Harasina. The Vilnagan says, Where was it halacha taught? Moshe Rabbeinu never taught the halacha. The halacha being, Haboyal Aram is Kanoim Poikin Boy. If a person sees someone at the height of the moment where he is desecrating his Jewishness and has married out of the faith, a special individual in a rare circumstance can act on that. Kanoim Poigin Boy. Moshe Rabbeinu, says Pinchos, you've taught us the halacha. Says the Vilna Gaon, where was it halacha taught? The halacha was taught, not explicitly, but symbolically. How was it symbolically taught? When Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain on the 17th of Tammuz and he held in his hands the two tablets and he saw the Jewish people engaged in an idolatrous act, he took those two tablets and he shattered them on the floor. He took the Torah as it were, as it was expressed, as we've spoken about previously, and he broke it in front of the Jewish people. 
says Pinchas ben Lazar ben Aaron when I saw you doing that, I was able to extrapolate the halacha that when you see a man engage in relations with a woman that he shouldn't be, and he's taking himself and leaving the Jewish people, then you can execute him. Why is that? Where's the correspondence? What's the relationship? Symbolically, how they're related, it's quite simple. That the notion of the Jewish people as a unique nation who are carrying the standard of monotheism through the world and exemplary are exemplifying the will of the Creator in our earthly realm. When they take their essence, which was given to them as a gift, and they prostitute themselves to false ideals, what they're doing is they're taking their essence and they're putting it into a foreign source. They're throwing it away. They're taking their continuation as a people that which makes them, carries them through to the next generation and they're putting it in the foreign source so that there'll be no continuation so that their being will be apprehended said Pinchas, I saw from that when a person on a private level takes his essence, his zera, his seed and he puts it in a place that there'll be no, takes the essence of who he is his perpetuation as a Jew and he puts it in a place where it will no longer go anywhere, it will not continue so he threatens the essence of the Jewish people. I learned from Moshe Rabbeinu, when the th- essence of the Jewish people is threatened, then you need to take a radical action of, you have to shake, you have to jolt, you have to show, what you're doing is you have to demonstrate, you're shattering the Torah. You have to represent the shattering of the Torah. In the case of the Luchos, it was the literal shattering of the Luchos. In the case of Pinchas, it was the shattering of the representation of the act, where he was shattered. He was removed from reality. And that act, ironically, supersedes the general thrust of Torah for peace. Those words, those that theme is applicable in a scenario where the entire Torah isn't threatened threatened in its essence. But when the essence of Torah is threatened, so then if the consequences of compromise will be destruction, compromise at that point in time has to take a back seat. But that evaluation of when that occurs is an extremely delicate one. And if one errs, instead of doing something which is praiseworthy, he actually does the precise opposite and could destroy himself and the Jewish people in the process. Choose good.